0: My guest on the show today is Carrie Cooper, holistic psychotherapist and author. And as we were just catching up, it's a first for the podcast, somebody who lives in the same county that I do, Carrie. This is amazing.
1: Yes, it is. Very random. Completely random. No idea. (laughs) Very random. And we're
0: not talking about living in Kings County or Queens County or anywhere in the city where there's millions of people. We're talking about a county that I think has about 30,000, 35,000 residents in Sullivan County in the Catskills. So Carrie, you after 130 some episodes, you are a first for me. So welcome! And thank you,
1: thank you for having me.
0: So good that we we find out we're also neighbors in a way, like yes. 45 minutes away. It's so cool. <laughs> it's so good to so good to have you here today. We're recording this here near the end of June, just kicking off summer 2022. Welcome!
1: Thank you, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's. We've got a lot to talk about today. So let's go ahead and get right into it. We're going to get to know you, and I'm going to get to know you because we just met about eight minutes ago, <laughs> which is always fun for me too. So Carrie, let's kick it off here. Well, actually, before we go, before we go into some questions, what does holistic psychotherapist mean?
1: That's a great question, and it's a, a question I get all the time. Obviously. I'll bet. Holistic psychotherapy is really looking beyond just the symptoms, but looking at the person's entire lifestyle, because I'm a big believer that how we're eating and exercising and what we're doing in our daily lives is really impacting our mental health. So I really take the full picture in, and that's what I mean by holistic.
0: Mm, Because a lot of psychotherapists would just diagnose the mental, the thought process, perhaps, One hundred percent.
1: You walk in with a checklist of anxiety symptoms, and that's what they're focusing on. But I am focusing on, you know, are you sleeping? Are you drinking? You know, five energy drinks in the morning that may be (laughs) impacting your anxiety. Let's look (laughs) big picture and see if we can get to a root cause of this.
0: Yeah, gotcha. Well, we're gonna we're gonna dig in a lot more in this. So, Carrie, let's start off with something that may or may not be related to this topic. So, what is something that you nerd out about?
1: Oh my goodness, I know this. Let me tell you. So, I love reading about the brain. Like
2: Mm -hmm. all the
1: aspects of the brain, I read the most random books on this and that's what I nerd out about. Like, I just enjoy it. Like, tell me more, feed me more information about how this is all working in there. So it does relate actually quite a bit to my business. Um, Yeah, it does. But yeah, that's really what I enjoy. And that's not my background. Like I, you know, didn't work in that area at all, but I really enjoy it.
0: So anytime somebody says something to do with books, we get some free recommendations from my guests. What are some of your what are some of your go-to's? What are some the most impactful books that you've read recently regarding the human brain?
1: Um, there's one about the vagus nerve, and I can't remember the title of it now, but it was amazing about how the vagus nerve really impacts everything that we're doing um, really? and our anxiety levels. Yeah, it was really interesting. So now I'm you know, really aware of that and how that may impact the brain and how that may impact anxiety. Um, so there's like different exercises to do with your vagus nerve, like singing and humming. And I'm always telling my clients, I'm like, start singing in your car when you're driving, you need to, you know, stimulate That's your vagus you. nerve. Yeah. It's great for you. Yeah. So that, you know, interesting stuff. Um, but one of the most impactful books I've ever read actually was quite some time ago, but I always keep it around and it's called man's search for meaning by Victor Frankl. And it's a really good mm-hmm. cool book. Um, mm-hmm. And he went through the Holocaust and he also came out the other end, you know, basically reinventing part of psychotherapy and a whole new way to approach it. And it's just an amazing book about like human determination and human struggle.
0: Yeah, I've, I've heard of it. This reminds yeah. me of something I, I think it was, I don't know if you ever listened to Dax Shepherd's Armchair Experts, one of my favorite podcasts. He, he had, I think it was him. He had a, a neurologist on recently, and they were talking about an experiment where somebody had their um, pathways severed between their right and their left, uh, the right and their left hemisphere, mm-hmm. and that were actually able to function just fine that way. But there were like, and I forget, it wasn't like it; they just severed. But there was something that happened to this person, and they were able to do some things extremely well, and some things they had to relearn. But it's actually that they function separately. But I think it was if I remember right, what happened was this person was quite artistic and because they got severed, they like didn't have any ability to do art anymore. They they weren't creative because they ended up with like, it's very interesting. I'll have to post this in the show notes, but it was really fascinating. And all the different things that we're still learning all the time about the human brain. It's like the most incredible and crazy thing.
1: You know, I tell everybody all the time, your brain is always learning and it's learning based upon how you're speaking to it. So when you're speaking negative all the time, that's what it's learning. And that's how it's now sensing the world. So we really can change our brain. Like it really is within our power.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really incredible. I, you know, we don't know each other, but I do like executive and leadership coaching. And a lot of that is just mindset work. Yep. The limiting beliefs and those limiting beliefs help are designed for a reason. Like our brain designs them for a reason because mm-hmm. children don't really have any limiting beliefs other than don't do this or I'm going to like, this is pure survival. Yes, and um somebody I have a therapist as well mm-hmm. so i i like I love this work because it's <clears throat> the idea that we can actually shift our shifting our thoughts can actually shift what happens for us in the world
1: one hundred percent
0: socr- so interesting, and so we in coaching, we call this the context that you see the world through yes. limiting beliefs what what's the lens you see this through, and then how do you operate inside of that? Right. Because cool. It's how we see the I, yeah.
1: world that determines how we operate every day. So when people are coming yeah. into my office constantly saying, Nothing is going right, nothing is going right. Right. That's how you're seeing the world. Let's take a step back and start retraining your brain to see what goes right in your world. Yeah. And then you start good. noticing it. Then you start noticing the stranger who smiles at you. Then you start noticing something good that happened. You know, we don't even notice half the things that are good in this world.
0: Yeah, that's the last thing I'll say in this before we move to the next question is in the way we coach and train coaches is that as humans, our ego likes to be right and run the show. So if we have a context about something, nothing is going right. We're always going to be looking for the proof of that. So it's actually going to continue to cycle, cycle, cycle. And I think the kind of work you do especially is let's take a look at the different thing and build some new muscle around a different context It's the, this is the old age old old analogy. Hey, I'm not in the market for a red car. And then, oh, I want to buy a red car. And suddenly all you see is red cars on the road. Like that's, it's so cool. So Mm -hmm. we could could probably just spend the next 45 minutes just talking about this stuff. And we could, and we are going to, we kind of are, because I have a feeling most of our conversation is going to be something around these topics, which we Mm -hmm. both obviously love. So Carrie, what's something that is inside of your comfort zone that you know is, outside of somebody else's like, they're like, I'm not doing that. Or, Oh, that gives me a lot of anxiety or anxiety or fear that you're like, yep, I love doing that.
1: Yeah. I think one of them is that I can have people emotionally dump on me and I'm good with that. Like I, Mm -hmm. I can handle that. And a lot of people can't, it's hard. It's hard to have the correct boundaries to not then take it all in and make it yours. So I'm able to sit there all day long and have people you know unfortunately at times tell me really horrific terrifying stories and I'm able to be able to walk out of my office and leave that in my office and not carry that with me and that's you know definitely a certain skill set that's within yeah. my comfort zone that allows me to do what I do but you know for I think most people you can't do that you can't hear some of these yeah. you know awful horrific stories and not be shaken by them and not carry them with you
0: yeah is that something that You've always had a natural gift for doing before you were professionally trained?
1: Yes. I, I don't know why, but yes, it's always kind mm-hmm. of been in there with me. Um, so I've always had friends talk to me about, you know, stuff and issues. And I'm always one of those people who I just have good boundaries and I'm able to hear it and to listen and to be empathetic, but not to take it inside of me.
0: Yeah. The the terminology is transference, yes. believe, right? Yeah. My so aunt, aunt is a therapist. My aunt is a therapist. Yeah, <laughs> transference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. So if we take the reverse of that question, mm-hmm. what's something for you, Carrie, that is you are not comfortable doing, fearful of, you won't do, that you know other people will go, heck yeah, like that, that's for me?
1: That's a good question. I'm really trying to think about that one. It's, you know, I think a lot of people are like, yes, let's go out and meet a million people. And, you know, what are we doing this weekend? And I tend to not love huge, large social settings. It's just not Mm -hmm. my vibe. I don't really like it. So I'm Mm -hmm. more like, let's stay home this weekend. What are we doing this weekend? You know, at home. Um, And, you know, everyone else is texting away being like, what are we doing? And I'm like, no, (laughs) I'm in. (laughs) So I don't love, I don't love walking into a big party. Yeah, yeah, I like to do nothing. You don't love that. No, I really don't. It's, you know, you feel like you have to be on, or at least for me, I feel like I have to be on. So it takes yeah. a lot for me to be like, okay, sure, I'll go to this party because I don't love it. I don't love, I like having intimate conversations with people. I don't like the small talk. The small talk is honestly torture for me. I
0: just don't do <laughs> the it Good thing well. you're on a podcast today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is different. This is about, you know, the good stuff, but I don't really the good do, stuff. Yeah, the, I don't do yeah. small talk. Great. So I, you know, going to yeah. a party, I think is probably, you know, one of my biggest things where I'm like, Oh, gosh, I have to do this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you do you relate to yourself as more of an introvert?
1: Definitely. 100%.
0: Yeah, I'm asking. So back to Dax Shepard's podcast, he just had the author of Quiet. I don't know if you ever read the book Quiet. No, I haven't. She was just on there. Really great book. I am. Anybody who's ever listened to the show knows I am a complete extrovert. I'm 100% extroverted on the Myers Briggs. So for me, walking in a room of 100 people I don't know mm-hmm. is like really energetic for me. Like I love that. I have zero fear of that. That is, that would be my answer to this question if somebody's interviewing me. No problem. You're like, go in that room of 100 people. You don't know anybody. I'll walk in and make some friends and have some conversations. And I love that. Part of the reason I ask is I, a few weeks ago, I had uh, Katarina Schneegas on. She's a, Uh, coach in Germany. And she relates, she calls herself a friendly introvert. She's Mm -hmm. quite introverted, but also like really like energetic and bubbly. But we, we had a conversation about that's not something she enjoys either. She much prefers the quiet, the more one-on-one thing. And she, but she does a lot of training with big groups. So me, I do a lot of training as well. I like, I can stand up in front of a room of a hundred people, train them. And then at the end, I'll be like, I'm not the least bit tired. She loves to do the training. Then she's like, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Like I've given all the energy. I need to go source myself. So mm-hmm. it sounds like you've really chosen a profession that fits well with who, who how you've been created.
1: Yeah. I'm like, really you can take fortunate. on people's
0: stuff mm-hmm. and you like to have intimate, meaningful conversations. So you yes. must really love what you do.
1: I do. And I'm so fortunate because, you know, it doesn't feel like work when you love what you do. So I have really, really long days when I'm in the office seeing clients, um, because you know, I'm a mom of four kids. So I try really hard to balance somehow being home with my kids and being at work. So when I'm at work, I'm at work like all day, like from morning until very late in the evening. And I said all the time, you know, if I didn't love what I what I do, there's no way I could see 15 people a day. It just wouldn't no. work. I'd burn out.
0: That's a but lot.
1: I, it is. I know. <clears throat> I know. But I love it. So it's okay. But you love every, it. Yeah. It makes sense. Every 45 minutes, it's like a new story. You know, somebody else is in my office. So it's like really energizing. I'm never drained.
0: That's, I mean, that is very, you're very, you're very, not even fortunate. I'm sure it's all by design, but this is probably when you were deciding what you were going to do with your career, like figuring out like, oh, this is the things I like doing. And then like all of your answers so far have been, I like science. Yeah. I like (laughs) I can take on people's, I can be with people's strong emotions and things and not take it on. And I like intimate and powerful conversations. So you are definitely a good profession for that. So Carrie, talk a little bit about speaking here. So I give you five minutes, not the speech here, but if I was to give you five minutes, your platform, you could deliver a speech to the entire world. What is it that you would speak on? And at the end of that five minutes, so this is your mini, mini TED, Ted Talks, five-minute TED Talk. We all get right. to see it and watch it. This is your Brene Brown moment. What do you what do you want us to do with your speech at the end? Like, What's your call to action for us?
1: I think my call to action is to realize that everybody has their own power to really change their lives. Mm-hmm. I think we're so used to just relying on other people to tell us what we should be doing, how we should be feeling, how we should be fixing ourselves. And I don't think half that's necessary. I think that really, you know, like we were talking about your brain power before and how you could really talk to your brain and redesign your brain. It's the same with so much. Like you could take your own physical health into your own hands as well to a large extent, you know, based upon what you're eating and how you're exercising and breathing exercises. Um, And I don't think people realize that they have this power. Like you have the power within to feel better, both physically and mentally. And you have to take the steps to do it you know, you can't continue to sit back and eat all the junk and live this lifestyle of not moving and then go, I don't know why I feel so, you know, awful all the time. Like you have to take the power yeah. back. So I think that would be really my message to the world is that you're more powerful than you think.
0: Yeah. that I'm, I agree with you with, on all of that. What I hear sometimes, hear this in coaching a lot too, is that's true for others, but it's not true for me based on trauma stories. A lot of it's the way people are raised. They're not raised mm-hmm. in a, you know, kind of a what's possible context. The reason I'm surviving. So for mm-hmm. anybody listening who's out there, I think most of my listeners would probably would agree with that and probably have experienced that. And, you know, if there's anybody out there listening who says, yeah, I, I love that idea. I just don't know how to even start. And let's, let's talk, nuts. not talk about health. Let's talk mm-hmm. about Let's talk about that person who's like, nothing's going right for me. They're listening and nothing's going right for me. Hopefully this podcast is going right for them. Maybe this is a small place they can practice. Mm -hmm. You have a new client. Nothing's going right for me, Carrie. Mm -hmm. Where would you have them start?
1: I would normally have them start by finding one, one thing in their day that did go well. And maybe that's just that you woke up this morning. Totally. You know, and sometimes we take that for granted. You woke up this morning. Maybe it's that you woke up in a comfortable bed. I love that. But one thing that did go right. And then you start building on that every day. What else went right? Yeah. You know, and also then where did you have an opportunity to make a good choice today? And to start seeing your choices also determine, you know, how your day is going. Yeah. You know, you woke up in the morning, you had a choice. Am I going to work out? Or am I not going to work out? Like, which choice did you make here?
0: Yeah. When you, when you're working with clients and you have a new client who comes in and you know, likes context of like nothing is working and you ask them one thing that works, have you ever had somebody not be able to identify something?
1: Yes. Many times, many, many times. <laughs> and- <laughs> right. Because they're
0: reinforcing context of like nothing's right. going right.
1: Right. I mean, your brain always has to prove itself Right. So if your story, if your story and your narrative is nothing is going right, your brain is going to 100% reinforce that. So then it's about really digging. And that's when I really dig about what did go right. Or, you know, for the next day, what can we make go right tomorrow? What Mm. choice are you going to make tomorrow to make something go right?
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah, this is real. This is awesome, Carrie. We're going to come back after a really brief commercial break, and we're going to talk a lot more about this. We'll be right back.
2: The Talking to Cool People podcast is brought to you by Jason Frizzell Coaching. Jason works with amazing people who are looking to find and develop their passion and purpose and create their journey to wherever it is they want to go. Check us out at jasonfrizzell.com, Facebook, or on Instagram. Jason loves hearing from anyone who thinks it would be cool to connect, to be coached, or to be a guest on our show. Email him at podcast at jasonfrizzell.com or DM him on Facebook and Instagram. And now, back to some more amazing conversation on talking to cool people.
0: All right, Carrie, we're back. So I think we've gotten a pretty clear picture of what you enjoy doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that you are very aligned in your taking your interests and the things you care about and bringing them into a profession, which is always very inspiring because a lot of people, myself included in a previous career, that's not really, wasn't really my experience either, not fully expressed. It feels like you're pretty fully expressed in your profession. So what else do you want us to know about you? Because I believe you do some other things besides therapeutic work. You, you're actually an author
1: I am, and
0: uh, you've you shared you're also a mother of four. So like, yeah, what else would you like us to know about you now?
1: Yeah, so I'm a mother of four. Um, my oldest is in high school, and my youngest is going into third grade. We just finished off the school year here, so now
2: yeah, summer fun Last begins. Week, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so summer fun begins, and you know, having our day trips and our fun. Um, and yes, you mentioned I'm an author, so it was really over COVID. During COVID, mental health like blew up. It was so bad. Oh my
0: gosh, it was so yeah. bad,
1: and I just you know, I'm getting phone calls every single week. Can you see my kid? Can you see my kid? And I just, there's one of me and all my therapist friends too. Everybody was booked. Nobody can get any more people in. So it was over COVID that I was like, you know what? I'm saying the same thing over and over again in therapy. It's the same themes of, you know, how to make your life better, how to improve your mental health. I'm going to take this time. I'm going to write a book. So I did. The book was really written 14 months over COVID. Um, And then it was published near recently and it's on Amazon. It's mental health uncensored, ten foundations every parent needs to know. And it goes through both the physical and the mental aspects of just if you have this down, mental health will be easier.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Wow. Did you ever did you picture yourself writing a book earlier in your career? Was that something you had on your you did so was something I did. It was was always on my radar.
1: Like I would love to write a book. And then it just kind of sat in the back of my brain. And then it was COVID that I was like, I have to write a book. Like, I have no choice right now because people need this information. Because again, it goes back to, I really do believe we all have the power to make our lives better. We just need a little bit of a roadmap. So this book is really for parents, not only, you know, can parents benefit from this, but it's for them to really show, you know, how to raise a child that's going to have good mental health because it starts when they're young. And then it continues all the way, you know, through college.
0: So when you say really young, as the parent of two younger Mm -hmm. children, how young? And I'm asking for myself.
1: Yes, (laughs) I think really young, because really young, you know, you're going to start talking to your kids and you're the ones preparing the food. I think people forget how food really does impact your mental health. You have Mm -hmm. to be eating real food. You know, most of your brain chemicals are actually made in your gut. So if you're not eating well, There's no way you're going to feel well. So that's where parents start, you know, day one when you're introducing food. Are you introducing processed food or are you, you know, introducing, you know, vegetables and, you know, fruits and stuff like that? And dehydration is a huge issue, huge issue in America. People don't even realize it. So, you know, are you making sure They're dehydrated and they don't know it? Yes, completely. People are, I mean, I have kids in my office and I'm like, how much water do you drink? And they're like, I don't. I'm like, what do you mean you don't drink water? Like every cell in your body what needs water. What they drink? Water. Energy drinks. Yeah. Coffee. Nothing that's actually hydrating them or flushing out the toxins in their body. So people yeah. don't realize, you know, these simple steps make a huge difference. So those are two steps that yeah. as a parent of really young children, that's where you start. And also, you know, one of the big things is letting your child try things out on their own and let them fail and let them pick themselves back up again. You know, the moment they can carry their plate to the sink, let them carry their plate to the sink. The moment they can start using a knife you know, relatively safely, let them cut their yeah. own food. It may look like a, a mess. Not a steak knife. <laughs> you know, Right. It may look like a mess or maybe food all over your kitchen, but let yeah. them try. This is how children gain confidence. Yeah. This is how they become independent.
0: Yeah. Did you, as a mother of four... Did, is this something that you've been practicing with all your children? Is, have you also learned a lot about this from from also parenting your own family?
1: Yes, I've definitely learned um, that much of this is sometimes easier said than done. You know, when you're trying to run out the door and let your three-year-old tie their own shoes, I could tie her shoes much quicker than she can we got somewhere to go. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> but to sit and be like, oh, okay, she's got to do the bunny loops on her own and let let them do it. It is hard. You know, yeah. and, you know, I'm now in the age of teenagers who don't necessarily always want to listen to their parents. So what? I am in the age now of like not being able to control their food as much and hoping that I've taught them enough to where they can make good choices when they're out and about. And, yeah. you know, my son recently said to me, he's like, I haven't been feeling great. He's like, I haven't been eating great either. I said, exactly. Mm. Like, I'm so happy that I did teach you that there's a link, you know, so he was able to at least notice that for himself and be able to pull back and change his diet because, you know, he's been out a lot because it's summer.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, you know, all of these things, but I think the biggest thing I've really seen with parents and with kids, and I see it a lot when they hit college age is if you haven't let them become independent, if you've done everything for them, they're really going to struggle come college. They're not going to be able to live an independent life.
0: Yeah. They'll end up, They'll end up uh, home every weekend with mom doing the laundry for them.
1: Yep. Or, you know, more. unfortunately, many times they fail out of college because they just can't handle it.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah my, my phone that's, rings um, off the hook
1: come December for college kids. And they're all academically able to handle it. It's.
0: Yeah. That's sad.
1: It's everything else.
0: Yeah. It seems like wasted, wasted potential.
1: Completely wasted potential.
0: Mm, that's a shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to the next thing I was going to mention I have a client who's been looking for a therapist and she cannot find one right now I know. she's in Brooklyn she can't mm-hmm. find a therapist like mm-hmm. nobody it's either wildly expensive or mm-hmm. they there's just nobody available and she's been trying for three months so I, I yeah therapy has been a there's been a, it's been a the pandemic was a boon for therapy my therapist also told me she's like I'm booked full I was mm-hmm. with her before the pandemic but it makes sense. People are lonely and have a lot of un, un, I, to me, like where therapy really becomes something that people get into is uncertainty. Yes, and they don't feel like they can figure it out themselves anymore. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, And that is a great yeah. time to be going to therapy. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, right now, I know all my therapist friends and you know myself included, we're full. You know we can't yeah. take on anymore, so it's really hard. Um, there's definitely a shortage of therapists. Um, but that's why, you know, if you're able to change a few things in your life on your own, you're able to start feeling better. Like, yes, a therapist is great and wonderful, but you need to do some stuff on your own as well. And you can do that stuff. You know, there's been, you know, tons of studies that show exercise being just as effective as many, you know, antidepressants. So it's like, try, try to get to, you know, exercise, try to sleep better. Sleep is huge. Um, people are not sleeping well either in America. No, um, no, no. you know, eat better, drink better, meditate, you know, start doing things that bring yourself joy, you know, once a week, what brings me joy? What can I do? That's going to kind of spark me up inside.
0: Yeah. I love that. All right, Carrie. So now is the chance for you, somebody you met 33 minutes ago to ask me something that I can answer for you and for everybody listening. What would you like to ask me about? Sky's the limit.
1: Sky's the limit. I'm going to actually have no ask idea you a what's question coming. that you asked me. Yes. I want to know what do you nerd out about?
0: Oh, man. I nerd out about so many things. <laughs> Let's see. We have about uh, 30 minutes. Try not to. I like to put myself on a timer because as an extrovert and an external processor, <laughs> we'll be here till the end of the episode. I want to talk more about your book and everything else. I nerd out about – I'll pick one thing. I nerd out about film. I don't talk about this a lot, but I am a, I'm a big cinephile and my family, my brother is even a bigger nerd about film in a good way than me. And we have a family tradition that every year, all of us, so it's myself, I have a younger sister, my, uh, my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, my brother, his wife. So my sister-in-law and my sister-in-law's mom, we watch all of the Oscar nominated best picture nominees every single year. And then my brother blogs about it and we all rank stack rank them. And then we write a blurb about each of them. So the trivia is I've seen every best picture nomination in the last 14 years, I believe.
1: Wow. Which is a lot of films. That's like a lot.
0: And, yeah. Cause there's anywhere between eight and 10 films every year. So if you, if p- people are listening there, you like, I like I saw every film like Dune, Coda, like all of them I saw, I've seen them all every year. I'm also. I have this weird thing, and it's it's. I think it's partially why I nerd out about this. I have this weird thing with my memory where you could name a film, and if I've seen it, or even if I haven't seen it, I generally know who directed it a lot of the times, and I know who is in it. I know mm. if it's good or not. And then I have a terrible memory in other areas of my life, where that would be much more valuable. <laughs> but I have like a very <laughs> natural connection to that. So for me, like I really nerd out about like classic films. I nerd out about AFI Top 100. I nerd out about um, like, what are my favorite films from the Oscars? I nerd out about like that film should not have been nominated for the Oscars. And I don't talk about this that often. And it's also interesting because my wife could care less about <laughs> any of these things. She just doesn't, she's not a movie person. Like she likes movies, but she could just care less. She's like, it was entertaining. I'll see it. And I'm like, what was the Rotten Tomatoes on this one? Ooh, it's below an 80%. Yeah, I think I'm going to pass on it. I'm all, I've am i also seen a ton of foreign films. Like wow. I, I have no problem watching f- Movies and subtitles, like if they're good, I'll like, I'll watch them. So I've seen, I've seen a lot of the like best picture foreign, you know, like foreign film nominees and foreign language nominees. I mean, and um yeah, I'm just a big film, film nerd. And I've actually turned into a TV nerd because TV is like the best it's ever been. It's like the budgets now are as good as they are for big films. Like a lot of the, like a lot of the Star Wars stuff on Disney plus mm-hmm. and a lot of the Netflix shows, like stranger thing, these budgets for these shows, are like 10 million an episode.
1: What's sort of your just favorite as good show the right now? That are out.
0: Well, I'm I'm wrapping up Stranger Things right now. We just wrapped love, that up. Mm-hmm. I love Stranger Things. I'm on. I'm almost sort of episode seven. Okay. And then they're going to make us hang out for I think until July a uh, couple weeks. But I love Stranger yeah. Things. I'm wrapping that up. Also, I just watched um, the staircase on HBO Max. Okay. It's Colin Firth and Tony Collett. and it's about the Michael Peterson case where she, like the woman, she died. And it's, it was an, it was a, yeah, it was, so it was a, it was a best, it was a documentary that won an Oscar in I think 2004 by a French director about him and they followed him around for years and they just remade it as a, as a um, like fictional Colin Firth. He's amazing because Colin Firth is like the ultimate Brit. And then he's like, plays like a very American character. And that was really good too. I mean, awesome cast. And uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm just a big like entertainment nerd. And I'm also an entertainment elitist, as my wife calls me,
2: <laughs> which is
0: really annoying to her because she's not. And I'm like, I don't know. This rating is not high enough. I don't think I'm going to waste my time with it. But, yeah. Great question. Nobody's ever asked me that.
1: Yeah, I just wrote down the staircase to put it on my uh, to watch Very
0: good. Yeah. List. Well, let me ask you we wrap up here. What's a great film you've seen recently? I'm always looking for recommendations.
1: Uh so you know like my husband, my husband loves movies. I really do yep. not like movies. <laughs>
0: yep. Okay.
1: I don't watch them. The last one we actually watched one recently. I think it was Hustle. Why am I blanking? It was like basketball related.
0: Oh, uh, with Adam Sandler. Yeah. I heard yeah. Adam Sandler, which means I have not seen it very likely. It's <laughs> to actually, prove my point.
1: It was actually a great movie.
0: It's on Netflix. It's a new movie. I heard it's actually pretty decent.
1: Yeah, yeah. it was actually really good. Um, yeah. For some reason, even though I, I don't like sports at all, I actually like sports movies. For some reason, um, So we also just wrapped up. Um, I think it was a series on the Lakers that they just did. That's recently, oh too. yeah, that's
0: great. That's fun. And that was a great uh, greatest show. Uh, not the greatest show, but yeah. Yeah. Fictionalized John C. Riley. Yes, and it was great. Yeah, that's, that's really good.
1: Yeah. So we just yeah. watched that.
0: So I, I want to give. Do you? As we move back to you, I want to give you a recommendation I think you would enjoy as a therapist. Do you like, Do you will you watch foreign films, later like or subtitled?
1: I will, yes.
0: Yeah, I would highly recommend for everybody listening as well, Worst Person in the World. Right, that's awesome. It's, Nor- it's a Norwegian film. Stunning, stunning movie. It was up for Best Foreign Film this year. So okay. good. It's ba- It's like a, it's about a woman- it's about, it's like a, it's not a rom-com per se. It's like just really about the journey of a woman. It's a lot like an Annie Hall, except not quite as funny. If you ever seen Annie Hall, the Woody okay. Allen movie, mm-hmm. it's like that really, really amazing film. Beautifully done. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. It's about relation. It's based really about relationships. A lot of therapeutic type of stuff in there.
1: Okay. You know what else yeah. I really love to watch? I love to watch all of like the murder mystery documentaries. Like, I yeah. love a good murder, you know, documentary. My wife does too. Yeah. yeah. They're fascinating.
0: You'll like The Staircase then.
1: Okay. I'll have, yeah. to, I have to watch that.
0: Because it's, it's a mo- it's a miniseries based on a documentary. Okay. Yeah, you'll really like it. Awesome. Thanks for the question. I love that. But Carrie, what are you passionate about?
1: What am I passionate about? I'm really passionate about having experiences. Like, I want to do things. I want to see things. Mm-hmm. Like, you get, you have one life, you know? So, like, every school break, I'm like, where are we going? Where are we going on vacation? What are we going to see? You know, yesterday was my kid's first day off from school. And I was like, all right, let's head into the city. We're going to, you know, the Museum of Art. Like, we need to go see things. So, I'm, I'm a big believer in, like, you need to have experiences. You need to be doing yeah. things. I don't care what those things are. You know, like, let's look for sea glass, you know, somewhere, like, but doing things like that's what fuels me. That's what I love. You know, my kids will laugh yeah. at like I also love Disney way too much, and you know, <laughs> we're we're big Disney fans and going there <laughs> often. Um, but I really do love experiences and travel, and you know, vacationing with my kids.
0: Yeah, did they, is your husband the same way?
1: Um, you know, I book everything, and he shows up. <laughs> <And> he <laughs> I does. like the he way you didn't it.
0: quite answer my question. <laughs>
1: Yes. No. He I, love the, it. I love
0: the, uh, the avoidance of the uh, direct answer. That's perfect. Yeah. I think I get what you're saying. So he likes it, but he doesn't want to plan it. That sounds familiar. My wife is also, my wife works in travel. Oh. So anytime that, and by the way, we, we were, we went to Disney world for spring break this year, which the only outcome of that trip would be that we came back with COVID because it was Disney world at spring break and it was completely sold out. And we came back with our first ap- bout of COVID through the house.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, it's funny. My wife is the same way. She's like, "Do you want to do this?" I'm like, "Just plan it." I, right. I, I'm I'm gonna be so useless in this process compared to what you know, because she she's she used to work at an airline, so she knows a lot about travel and how mm-hmm. to make it all work. Um, what about your? So your husband shows up. I, I <laughs> could totally appreciate that. What about your four children? Do they, are they similar? Do they are they really into experiences?
1: Yeah, they are. They've um, really That's got awesome. into experiences. Um. Because that's kind of how they've always grown up with us. You know, it's always like, what's the next experience? So for my children, because I have four and three of them are girls, I'm like, listen, there's no way we're doing a sweet 16 party. Like, it's just not what we're doing. I don't like parties to begin with. (laughs) Um, It's, you know, a big hassle. It's drama. I said, you're going to pick an experience. Pick where you want to go. And that's what we're going to do. So my son is actually uh, the first one who's about to turn 16 soon. So he... He's a kid who anytime we go away on vacation, he just wants to snorkel. Like, he wants to be in the water. He wants to be seeing the fish. Like, that's just what he yeah. does. So he picked, you know, where, we, where we're where we going to go next year for his, you know, 16th birthday. And he's now, I said to him, like, you look for the restaurants. You look for what you want to do there. Like, you tell us. So we're trying to give them, you know, more of a planning purpose and, you know, letting them take kind of take the lead on it.
0: You probably know this, Carrie, but I grew up. I grew up similarly, we didn't do a lot of like plane travel, but I grew up very with my parents and also my grandparents, a lot of experiences, Mm -hmm. like in a really great way. You know, the result as a parent of what's going to happen, most likely is your children are going to want to go to school far away because it's a better experience and they're going to end up moving away from you. And so I remember this a few years ago, my mom was talking, um, we were just talking about like, cause we live, my parents are in, I'm from Minnesota. My parents just live in Minneapolis and we live in New York. And my, I remember you we were talking about like, well, and, and my brother and sister and their spouses all live in Washington, D.C. And we were talking about this at Christmas. We were back home and something came up. we like, well, did we do something wrong? And it wasn't like a sad conversation. My right. dad's like, we raised them to be independent. This is There's no surprise that they're going to end up where they actually want to be as opposed to feeling like they need to be close. So, you know, it's very likely you're going to have what are your children be like, So we live in New Jersey now. I'm probably going to want to go to school in Seattle or maybe the travel abroad, et cetera, et cetera. We have no doubt
1: they'll go far. Um, I'm just hoping all four of them kind of wind up in the same area. That way it's easy for us to then retire to that area. Exactly. Um, But we'll see what happens. But yeah, no, I I don't see them sticking around in New Jersey at all.
0: Yeah, no. Well, and that's fortunately what's happened for my parents is like, you know, we're in the Eastern Seaboard. We got DC, that's an Amtrak to to New York. It's Mm -hmm. not a big deal. But yeah, that would be, but people are like, oh, like my sister lives in California and I live in upstate New York. That was a, that's a hikes for parents when they want it, especially yeah. when the grandkids come yeah. and then it's like, oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. So Carrie, what, what are you most proud of?
1: What am I most proud of? I'm proud of, I'm proud of a lot of things. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm proud of my yeah. four children because that's not yep. easy. Um no. So I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of. You know, my practice, like I never thought Mm -hmm. that I'd be in this position, you know, years ago and I've, you know, I never thought I'd be like a businesswoman and here I am. Um, and I'm really proud of my book. Like I, I joked that writing this book, it was like giving birth to another child. Like it is such a process. Um, and then it's like, then it's here and you have to still nurture it and and work with it. Um, so those are the things in my life that I'm, I'm really proud of. You know, they're huge accomplishments for me.
0: Yeah, I love that. The I've got a response to the the kid thing. Every single parent on my show is always the kids, and they'll be like, "I know this is cheesy." I'm like, "It would be weird if you didn't say this. Right. I would actually question your priorities." Two, I do a lot of, I do a lot, I do personal branding work at a firm called Brand Builders Group, and we have a lot of authors. And so i i mm-hmm. I don't work on the book part of it, but we work on the marketing part of it. And boy, I learned a lot about the labor of love that writing a book is and that a good book by itself doesn't sell at all. We have a saying, something, it's the number of, the number of copies you'll sell without a good marketing and sales plan is the number of relatives you have. (laughs) 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 Like, so for all of you out there who are listening, who maybe want to write a book or, or just want to support people like Carrie, like support authors, it is a tremendous labor of love because you're pouring yourself onto these pages, your knowledge, your passion. And then most authors don't sell a ton of books anymore. There's just the, mar- there's so many things out there. And, um, I just have great respect. I am, I am somebody, I'm very fortunate. I never want to read a book. I don't like writing and I know that's why I'm a podcaster. So I'm like, you're like, Oh, you should write a book. I'm like, no,
1: right? <laughs> that sounds
0: like my version of hell, um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I just have a lot of respect for people that that get their work out there. So I always really encourage people to support authors. If it sounds interesting to you, go out and buy it on Amazon. And, and it's also well-known, the economics of writing a book. It's not right. great unless you are a big, big name at this yeah, point. Yeah, you don't write it for just the money. Not, it's just not a meaningful, yeah.
1: Right. Now, you know, I wrote it because I really feel like people could benefit from this book and really change their life. And yeah. I feel like, you know... The happier everyone is, the better for everyone, you know? Totally. (laughs) So let's let's get everyone on the you know path to good mental health. It just benefits everybody.
0: Yeah, as you go up to your house upstate, the more happy people that are on the road, the less road rage you have to deal with. Absolutely. It's it's great. You don't you're you don't have to have your kids get flicked off by somebody on
1: the (laughs) Northeast drivers.
0: (laughs) All right. So it's always I've had a few therapists on. I I generally say this question is my therapy question. I'm really interested in what you think of this because it generally brings up to me that they a little bit of a therapeutic thing but the question for you carrie is what's something you're afraid that might actually be true about you
1: huh that's a good question
0: you can use it in your practice if you think it would be applicable to your clients
1: right <laughs> i might take you can that license it from me i'll send it. you the
0: contract later
1: <laughs> <laughs> what am i afraid might actually be true of me about you, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that um, sometimes people see me as like um, very just to the point and not in a good way. And I'm always like, no, mm. like I'm so, you know, personable and I could talk to you. But I think when I do read back my emails, I'm, I could be seen as just, you know, quite blunt and maybe not in mm. the nicest of ways because I'm not wordy. And that was actually a problem with writing yeah. the book. I'm not wordy. So my emails come across, maybe not the nicest when I'm typing them. And um, I've actually had, you know, some people be like, I thought you were angry with me. And I was like, no, why? And then, you know, reading back the emails, I was like, oh, I could see that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So here's the follow up to this question that you don't know. What do you do to compensate for that?
1: I probably should be doing things to compensate for that, um, but oh, I don't think n- that the I answer happen. is nothing.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I think my emails are just taken as a little bit, you know, nasty when um, they're not yeah. meant to be. I'm just, I'm not wordy. I'm just not a wordy person. And when I'm sending emails, um, you know, not for work, but more like my personal life and you know, my kids' school and stuff like that. I just, I'm just to the point. I don't yeah. want to waste anyone's time. So
0: yeah, I hear, I hear a. I hear the power of the emoji might be something you could add to your repertoire. Maybe,
1: well, smiley yeah, face like emoji. Little, mm-hmm.
0: little, little, little smiley face emoji. Mm-hmm. It, you'll, I think you'll appreciate this. I had a, I had a guest on a long time ago and I asked him this question. They're like, and they gave me an answer. I said, "What do you do to compensate for that?" And they're like, "I don't do anything to compensate for that." I was like, "You're lying," <laughs> because, and I didn't say that to them on on air, but it was it was like a very obviously like a traumatic thing that they believe to be true about them from their childhood. And they're like, I do nothing. And I'm like, "Hmm." Mm. so he just sat there and they finally came up with something. I'm like, ah, see, cause everybody does the thing that we're afraid, you know, this, like this is one-on-one, mm-hmm. the thing that we're afraid of. And we're all afraid of something about ourselves. Sometimes it's a little more service, but things it's very, there's also things that we're afraid of because it comes from our childhood. Right. We're always, the way we show up in the world is actually a direct reflection of that compensation for that thing. Mm-hmm. So that we can prove that it's different. Right. So I get a, you can imagine if I should write a book about this question and anonymize it because it's really interesting actually what people say that they do to compensate. And you'd be like, yep, therapy 101, therapy 101, yeah. therapy one." Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm unlovable. So what do you do? I really try to be likable with everybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. cool. All right. So next, if we ever communicate via email, I expect to see an emoji if it feels a little flat to me. Or I'll I'll write you back. I'm a very warm email. I'm probably the other side. I'm like, hey, how you doing?
1: Uh, Yeah, love having you on. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's none of that in my emails. It's right to the point.
0: (laughs) There you go. I love it. Well, so Carrie, how do you see the world?
1: I see the world. First of all, I don't watch the news. Um, I think that's really important in this because I don't like the way I don't like the way the news portrays the world. I really do feel like people are kind. I really do feel like people are helpful. I think you just have to ask. I think you just have to ask for help. And people are more than willing to actually lend a hand or give you advice and and be there. And I don't think that's the way the world is portrayed a lot. Um, I think it's portrayed as like everyone's just out for themselves. And I don't think that's the core of human beings. Um, you know, I was working with somebody recently who was scared about going on a trip and she's like, what if I can't lift my suitcase into the overhead bin? And I said, you turn around and you ask someone for help. And she's like, people are going to help me. I was like, yes, people would help you. Like people really, we're all humans. We're all here together. I do believe that at the core of everybody, they do want to help. Um, so that's kind of how I view the world. And yeah, the more comfortable I've gotten with that concept, the more I will ask somebody for help. And they do, and you know, yeah. asking someone just for advice or, hey, can I have your ear for five minutes? I want to run something past you. People are more than willing to do that.
0: Yeah, it's such a bummer that positive news stories are called fluff. I know, but it's not. It's not most. It's not news, right? I mean, it's it's news, but it's not. It doesn't sell.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What sells is oh, today's the you know the ongoing capital January sixth trial, mm-hmm. and today is like. Roe v. Wade next week, all these things that, and they're very, and like all these things are very, in my opinion, very important. Right. They're obviously wildly important because they affect our society and our culture and everything. But yeah, it's like, there's like no, like known news isn't interesting if it's positive most of the time. Right. It was like, Which, what's the, what's the conspiracy? What's the, what's the thing that's wacky? Cause as, I guess as humans, we like, we like the drama somewhere else so that we can feel like our lives are stable mm-hmm. is what I think. It yeah. co- a lot of it comes down to, so I I do read the news every day, but I I don't generally dig in too deep on anything that I'm not actually interested in. Like I know people like they just read all the stuff and get mm-hmm. fired up about it. Right. I'm like, you know, you have th- most of these things, you have no ability to control or impact at all. They have nothing to do with you other than, like you're just re- it's like salacious news. Mm-hmm. I get it. Like it, you know, it can, it can be a creature comfort for people as well. But I like that. Do you, are your children, do they pay attention to like, do they read the news? Cause no. in school, you know, when you're in school, but right. in school you're list social studies and current events and such.
1: Yes. So my older kids, um, you know, they will, the news is normally on, you know, at the high school level. Um, so they do yeah. see some stuff and, you know, we do talk about it when, when it comes up. Um, yeah, there there is some really sad and scary things going on in this world. There's no denying that. You know, my kids don't live yeah. in a bubble; they do know this. Um, but I don't want them seeing it all the time. Um, I think that's just yeah. too much. You know, whenever a, a massive yeah. crisis happens in the world, I tell parents all the time: turn off the news. Your child yeah. does not need to see this replaying constantly.
0: No. No. All right, Car- uh, all right, Carrie. So. Let's talk a little bit more about the book mm-hmm. and where else people can connect with you when you might have some availability of people. So as a therapist, you are licensed obviously in New Jersey. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're like where else are you licensed in?
1: I'm just licensed in New Jersey currently. Just New um, Jersey. Right. So yeah, you have to be in New Jersey to see me. Um, have to be in New which, Jersey, by the way, I think maybe changing soon. I know there's a lot of legislation happening because you know, that's a problem. We're short therapists to begin with. We should not yeah. be held just to the state that we're licensed in. If I could do therapy in New Jersey, <laughs> I could do it in New York. I could do it in Pennsylvania. I could do it in Washington, wherever. Um, that's a regulation that needs to change and needs to change immediately. Because um, the only I think reason they're... why it's there is really for money. So you can take a test yeah. in another state. So you can do continuing to in another state. Um, it's not helpful to anybody.
0: I believe that there is actually – there is reciprocity. There is a reciprocity agreement across a number of states – I had a therapist I was talking to and he was telling me I'm part of this. And he was, I believe he was in Maryland. He said, I'm part of this environment. And it was like, and I said, where do you practice? And he said, I practice in these 23 States because they have some sort of reciprocity agreement or something.
1: Right. That has not New York and
0: New Jersey were not on the list.
1: No. And that has not hit social workers yet either. Um, So there is Mm. legislation. I don't know which States are going to be included. I'm hoping all of them to be honest, because especially now in the world of telehealth, there is no reason. Why I can't help somebody in a different state,
0: right? Absolutely, um,
1: it, it's a regulation that has to change and has to change really immediately. Um, so I'm hopeful that that will change, and I'm hopeful that they look beyond the money that these yeah. know, regulations bring. We shall see. We shall see.
0: <laughs> we shall see. Uh, that's where maybe I'm not so positive about <laughs> about how things operate. Yes,
1: me too. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, so
0: yeah. So Carrie licensed in New Jersey, so you can see anybody in New Jersey. Do you, you do it sounds like you do. You have an in practice, in person yes. practice. Yes, I do. In I Bergen, Bergen County. County,
1: New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Bergen um, County,
0: New Jersey. Do you do also do telehealth? Yes, I do. Yes. Excellent. And how would people connect with you? Should they want to know more?
1: Sure. My website is really a wealth of information. Carrie Cooper dot com. Um, and Carrie is K E R I. I know everyone spells Carrie a little bit differently. Um, yeah. On, also on Instagram at Carrie Cooper Holistic Therapy. And I'm on Facebook. Um and then really my book is on Amazon right now. So it's mm-hmm. mental health uncensored, 10 foundations, every parent needs to know. And it's on Amazon as an ebook and a paperback right now. So they could Excellent. check that out too and, and really gain a ton of information through that.
0: Yeah. Everything you just said will go into the show notes so people don't have to be writing things Great. down. Great. Well, Carrie, I want to thank you so much for being on.
1: Thank you for and having me. Been really nice me. to get to
0: know you. I hope this wasn't totally small talk. You're still yes. you're still here, so I think we did all right. <laughs> and yeah, just keep doing the good work you're doing. It's so important to have people like you out there, um, doing work with. You know, quite frankly, a lot of people are struggling. Yes, not just from the pandemic, but there's just a lot. Go- there's just it. Just to me, it feels like there's a lot going on now. You have economic things mm-hmm. going on, and stock market, and yeah. inflation, and fuel prices, and these. These things all drive up. And now we also have a lot of parents who now have children home for the summer, which creates a whole new set of, yes. like, remember when they were gone for seven hours a day mm-hmm. and now they're they're here. But it and also now gives a
1: great these. opportunity. I always say summer is a great opportunity to try to put some of these changes into place. So yeah. get the book. It should be summer reading for every parent. Um, and yeah. implement some changes before the school year starts and the craziness of the schedule kicks in.
0: Oh, man. Imagine if imagine if everybody read these and practiced, and practiced this with their children. It would be a different world. Like what would be a different world? Yeah. Excellent. So last thing, leave us with some official Carrie words of wisdom and these should be short and sweet. So something you'd throw in an Instagram post. So what, what do you got for us?
1: Oh, you. Just, <laughs> that was like a, a question I wasn't prepared for. Um, Let me think. What? short and sweet um
0: this is but this is also your sweet spot i know sweet to the point
1: you would think i would know right i'm actually like thinking of my instagram posts i put up quotes all the time you know Uh, one of my favorite quotes is um i'm gonna i'm gonna mess it up but it's you know you could only be you because everybody else is taken you know like i love that one like that's great yeah that might have been from like kurt cobain or something actually
0: I think it. it, I think it might have been a musician. That's yeah. I think it was Kurt Cobain,
1: and I love that one. And you know, I also love and a bunch of different people have been given this quote. Um, I I think it was actually from a sports player. But you know, you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take. Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I always say that to people. Like you have to at least try. What's the harm in trying? What's the? My other favorite phrase constantly is, "What's the worst that's going to happen?"
0: and most of the time the answer is not a big deal. Right. It can be.
1: It can be. Some
0: things, but most of the time it's not. Exactly. Very impactful other than it makes us feel bad in the moment or something. Right. Or or it's a knock to our ego. Mhm. Yes. Yeah. I love that, Carrie. Well, I want to again thank you for being on. Best to best wishes to you, the family and all the adventures you're having, all the experiences. Thank you. It was so good to connect and let's have you back on again soon.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks so much, Carrie.
2: Thanks for listening to another episode of Talking to Cool People with Jason Frizzell. If you enjoyed today's episode, please tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and give us a shout out or take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. If something from today's episode piqued your interest and you'd like to connect, email us at podcast at jasonfrizzell.com. We love hearing from our listeners because you're cool people too.